what's coming up now on Established in the Faith. When you get down to it, we all believe in Jesus Christ and Him crucified as the answer to the ills of mankind. Any church that does not have Christ crucified as its foundation, they may call themselves a church, but it's not a church as God looks at it as church. Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce of Friendship, Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina, and how so very pleased and happy we are to be with you today. Got a great message lined up for you. Hope you can stay with us for the next 30 minutes. If not, let me encourage you to go over to establishedinthefaith.com. There you can listen to today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. Well, we're going to go on into the message now. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. have your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me please to the Gospel according to St. John. John chapter 3, verse 26. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. And I want to use verse 30 this morning as my subject. The words of John, a very profound statement. He must increase, but I must decrease. Let me say that again. He must increase, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, but I must decrease decrease. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his help today. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this honor and this privilege to stand before your people and to minister your word today. Lord, I thank you for every person that has come this way. Lord, everyone who has taken the time to tune in to this radio program and to listen to your word. Lord, I thank you for those that are listening to CDs right now. Lord, there are many needs under the sound of my voice today. And Lord, you know those needs. And Lord, I know there are a lot of questions out there. Lord, I dare not embark upon this message without asking for the anointing of your Spirit to rest upon me. And help me to rightly divide this word of truth. Lord, that the questions will be answered. And Lord, the problems may be resolved. Lord, that your people might be drawn a little bit closer to you is my prayer today in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen and Amen. If you'll look at verse 22, John chapter 3, the Bible says, After these things. So if you will allow me a few minutes to kind of bring you up to speed as to what is going on here. Jesus, up to this particular time, has stepped down into the water, made his way out to John, and has been baptized of John the Baptist. 
John the Baptist saw the Spirit of God descending upon him in bodily shape like a dove and rest upon the Lord Jesus Christ. He also heard a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. A lot took place that day. It took him a little while to wrap his mind around what all had taken place. And the next day, he made the statement, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John proclaimed Jesus as the Messiah. Immediately following this, the Bible tells us that Jesus was led of the Holy Spirit off into the wilderness for about 40 days and nights to be tempted of the devil. Immediately following that, Jesus would choose his 12 disciples. And upon choosing these disciples, he goes into Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover, and while he's there, he cleanses the temple. Oh, good grace and mercy. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying. I said, Jesus, at the start of his ministry, went into the temple of God there in Jerusalem, and he flipped over the tables of the money changers, went in there with a whip in his hand. He didn't hit nobody. But boy, they, thought, they sure thought he was. And they, some of you under the sound of my voice today, you've done some things. And you think the Lord's going to hit you with something. No, he ain't going to hit you with it, but he'll sure make you think he is. And if you're honest with yourself, you probably deserve whatever's coming your way. But God is gracious and God is merciful. And Jesus didn't make any friends when he went in there and cleansed the temple. Nicodemus would come to him at night, hiding in the shadows, slipping around the buildings and making his way to Jesus because he didn't want any of the hierarchy of Israel to see him. And he talked to the Lord about salvation. And Jesus said in John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He went on to tell Nicodemus that just as Moses was lifted up in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And he was pointing to his death, burial, and resurrection. He was pointing to the cross. Jesus didn't make any friends there in Jerusalem. They all got stirred up against him, to be honest with you. And so Jesus takes his disciples, and he goes back. Some Bible commentators seem to think he goes back now to the same place where he stepped down into the water and was baptized of John. And the disciples, under the direction of Jesus Christ, begin to baptize the people as they came to Jesus. Now, this is not something that Jesus would practice with the disciples for the remainder of his ministry. He only did this for a little while. And someone would say, well, why 
was Jesus doing this? The religious leaders of Israel, they didn't like John the Baptist because he didn't graduate from the University of Pharisee or the University of Mount Olive. He wasn't sanctioned of the religious leadership. So they didn't, they didn't like John too much, and they certainly didn't like Jesus when he went in and flipped over the tables and did all of that. But Jesus had the disciples to baptize to sanction John's ministry. John had done and prepared the way of the Lord, and he had announced to the world of that day, Behold the Lamb of God. This is the Messiah. And now that John has done this, we are now coming to the closing days of John's ministry. But despite the closing of John's ministry, let me tell you, he kept on preaching. He kept on baptizing. The Bible tells us that the people kept coming to John, and he's about 50 miles north of Jerusalem where there was a lot of water at. We don't know exactly where this place was at, but he was still baptizing people. And crowds kept coming, and John kept preaching and baptizing. But, but the Bible seems to indicate that the crowds weren't as large as what they used to be. Oh, could grace and mercy, let me just dig right on in here a little bit and deal with it. Because let me tell you, church attendance today is not like it used to be. Back in the day, they wouldn't dare schedule a ball game on a Wednesday night. Why? Because the churches had Bible study and prayer meeting, and all the people were at Bible study and prayer meeting. Now the church has got to work around everybody else's schedule. I get sick and tired of having to reschedule everything around the school system and what the world out here does. There was a time when the world scheduled their stuff around what the church did. And those are the days we need to get back to. But despite the lack of people, John kept on preaching. And I look out across this congregation and I see a lot of empty pews. Well, Brother James, ain't you discouraged? No, I'm not discouraged at all. I don't walk by sight, I walk by faith. God's got good things around the corner. Just hold on. Just hold on. Well, how do you know that, Brother James? I know it because this Bible tells us that in the last days, God's going to pour out His Spirit upon all flesh. He's going to do it. He's going to do upon all flesh. And friendship church is a part of the all flesh. He's going to pour out his spirit and we're going to see the people. There's going to be a, a harvest of souls in the last days like we've never seen before. It's coming. Now, why is it the numbers are not like it used to be? Dana, if you will, put it up on the screen. The Bible tells us about these days. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, that is today, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. 
Satan is forever trying to hinder the work of God. This was even happening in John's day because the Bible says, Dana, if you'll go over to John 3 in verse 23, the Bible says there was a great debate. There was a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. Now, what in the world was all of that? These Pharisees, they come out there questioning John. Who gave you this authority to get out here in the River Jordan of all places, this nasty river and baptize? Who gave you this authority? Where is your doctorate in psychology? You didn't get a degree from Mount Olive. Where are your credentials? Who told you to do this? John said, I'm just a voice crying in the wilderness. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. But the Pharisees had these crazy ideas about purifying. Had to do with washing your hands. They, they believed that when you sat down at the table, if you didn't wash your hands uh, a certain way, now, now that don't mean, you know, you don't have to wash your hands. You do need to wash your hands. Amen. All right, but there was a certain way in which they were saying, according to their rituals and, and things, laws made up of men, you got to wash your hands a certain way because if you don't, a demon spirit can get on your hands and get on your food, and then you'll be demon-possessed. And if you don't go through this particular purifying process, then you ain't pure. And John paid them no mind. Because John knew there was only one thing that could take away sin, and that's the blood of Jesus Christ. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. So John just ignored all that. But it was a big debate. It was a big to-do over nothing, really, when you get down to it. And the Pharisees finally figure, well, look, we ain't getting nowhere. John, he's still preaching. No matter what we say about him, he keeps on preaching. So they cornered him up. John 3, verse 26. They came to John and they said, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizes, and all men now come to him. In other words, they were saying, John, if you're right, if you're right in what you're saying, and that man that you stood and said that day, this, this, this Jesus, if he's the Messiah, and you're right in what you're saying, then why ain't Jesus over here helping you in your ministry? Why did Jesus break off from you and go over there and start a church? He's got more people going over there now than what you've got. Why ain't y'all on the same page? You think about that. They were actually pitting Jesus against John. And that's what the world does today. Here, here's the thing. Let me get down to where it's at. The religious leaders, they couldn't ignore John's ministry. There hadn't been a prophet in Israel in over 400 years since Malachi. They knew from the book of Daniel, that the coming of the Messiah was near at hand. 
They heard John say that Jesus was the Messiah. They went back to Jerusalem and checked the records, and it went all the way back to David. So they had all that evidence. On top of that, Jesus is now performing miracle after miracle, so that ratified what all had, they had discovered. But they didn't want Jesus. They didn't like Jesus, this peasant from Nazareth of all things. Nothing good comes from Nazareth. But here this man is, you're saying, this peasant, this carpenter, you're saying he's the Messiah? They didn't want a Jesus like that. They made up their own Messiah, what they wanted the Messiah to be. So they rejected Jesus Christ. And they didn't like John, because like I said, he wasn't from them, sanctioned of him. He didn't have credentials with them. So they didn't like John either. So what they do? They pit one against the other and say the two are against each other. And they did all that because they didn't want to follow Jesus, and they didn't want to follow John. And that's what the world does out here. They don't want to follow Jesus Christ. And they don't want to listen to the ones promoting Jesus Christ. So they pit one church against the other. They pit one church against the other. Brother James, if, if, if what you're saying is right, then why is there so many denominations? Why are there so many churches? If you'll go back far enough, you'll find out whether it's a Baptist, Methodist, Pentecostal, whatever it may be, Presbyterian you go back far enough, you'll find out that the church, the undergirding foundation of the church is Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And upon that rock, Jesus Christ built the church. We might not agree on baptism. We might not agree on speaking in tongues. We might have a disagreement on end-time events and when the rapture may take place. There might be disagreements there. But when you get down to it, we all believe in Jesus Christ and Him crucified as the answer to the ills of mankind. Oh, let me go ahead and deal with this right now too. A lot of churches are getting away from that. And let me say this. Any church that does not have Christ crucified as its foundation, they may call themselves a church, but it's not a church as God looks at it as church. A lot of churches today is little more than a social club, a gathering where business transactions take place. Oh, I done got off my subject now. But they didn't like Jesus, they didn't like John, so they pit one against the other. John, Jesus has got more people over there at his church than you got. We were just over there, John, look, the, whole, the parking lot's full. Bringing them in by the busloads. What was John's reaction to it? Let's look at it. He said... Verse 29, John 3, verse 29. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom. What do you mean by that? Jesus is the bridegroom. And the bridegroom owns the bride. 
In essence, John is saying, all that came to me belong to him. And all that are going to him belongs to him anyway. So it don't matter to me. I'm just a friend. I'm just a friend of the bridegroom. I hear his voice and I rejoice with him and my joy is fulfilled. Now, we get down. It took me a while to get here. And now I'm getting down to my message. One of the most profound statements of John the Baptist. John 3 and 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. John knew that his ministry was coming to a close. To give way to the greater ministry of Jesus Christ. He knew that. But for the Christian, for you and I today, this one verse has far more meaning than that. It, it, it applies to you and I today, not just John of that particular time. It applies to you and I today. He must increase and I must decrease. As a newborn baby Christian coming into the kingdom of God, there must be an increase of Jesus Christ within your heart and life. Those of you who are mature in the things of God, let me tell you something. Listen very carefully. There is more of God than what you currently have. Let me say that again. There is more of God than what you and I currently have. There is room for increase in the things of God. Let me give you some more scripture. Luke 9, 23. Jesus said to them all, If any man will come after me, what is that? That's an increase. In the things of God. Let him deny himself. What is that? A decrease in self. Take up his cross daily. You got to make the cross your cross. Personal thing. Personal relationship between you and God. Daily. Daily. It's not a one-time thing where you come up and say, Brother James, I accept Jesus Christ and I pray the prayer and get baptized and then I go on my merry way. No, my friend, it is a daily walk with God. Daily. Take up the cross daily. You place your faith in what Jesus did for you at Calvary. You do it on a daily basis and then you follow Him. Getting closer to God does not make you more saved. Okay? You need to understand that. Getting closer to God and the increase of God in your life does not make you more saved. But it does have great benefits to it. Oh, y'all didn't hear what I said. I said being closer to the Lord, Allowing the Lord to have his way in your life, it has benefits. Because Jesus said 
In Luke 9, 27, he said, I tell you the truth. There be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the kingdom of God. What was that? Of the hundreds, maybe even thousands of people, only three, Peter, James, and John, would go up on the mountain with Jesus and see him transfigured before their very eyes and see Jesus Christ and have that moment with Christ. The numbers haven't changed very much from then until now. Only a few will receive a great revelation like that from God. Let me just close out this message today and say this. You can get as close to the Lord as you want to. And there should be a desire in your heart for an increase of God in your life. But in order for that to happen, there must be a decrease. In our churches today, there must be an increase on the emphasis of Jesus Christ, who He is, and what He did at Calvary. We need to emphasize that more than we need to emphasize our religion or our denomination or any other thing that's man-made. Our churches need to stop being so man-centered and start being more God-centered. He must increase, and we must decrease. If the program today has been a blessing to you and you would like to have a free CD copy of this message, just give us a call or text us at 252-299-4234. You can also go to establishedinthefaith.com. There you will find today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. But perhaps you need someone to just talk to or to just pray with you about something. Again, just give us a call at 252 252- Two nine nine four two three four. This program is an outreach ministry of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. As well, depends on the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you. To contact us or to contribute to this ministry, go to establishedinthefaith.com. Click on the Donate tab. It's easy and all donations are safe and secure through PayPal. You can also mail us at Established in the Faith, P.O. Box 601, Bailey, North Carolina, 27807. We look forward to hearing from you. I'm Haven. And I'm Juliana. And you've been listening to Established in the Faith with our dad, James Pierce. He's the pastor of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. We have Sunday school every Sunday morning at 945 and worship service at 11, as well as prayer meeting and Bible study every Wednesday night at 730. Go to establishinthefaith.com and click on the events tab for gospel singings and other special services. That's right, Jules. And the church is located at 744 Friendship Church Road in Middlesex, North Carolina, near the EMET community. On the website, if you click on the Contact Us tab, Google Maps will bring you right to us. We would love to have you, and we hope to see you there. And we hope today's program has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and God bless you. (music) 